Lord's Day 43, which is just question and answer 112. Question 112, let's read this responsively. What is God's will for you in the ninth commandment? That I never give false testimony against anyone, twist no one's words, not gossip or slander, nor join in condemning anyone rashly or without a hearing. Rather, I should avoid, under penalty of God's wrath, every kind of lying and deceit as the very works of the devil. And in court and everywhere else, I should love the truth, speak it candidly, and openly acknowledge it. And I should do what I can to defend and advance my neighbor's honor and reputation. Amen. Let's go to the Lord now and ask for his help. Our Heavenly Father, we ask you to look upon us in grace as we look away from ourselves into the face of your Son, whom you have appointed our Mediator and Savior. As all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in your Son, guide us by your Holy Spirit into the true understanding of the doctrines of Christ. May our meditation upon his truth produce in us the fruit of righteousness to the glory and exaltation of his name the instruction and building up of this congregation, and the salvation of the lost through our witness. We pray this in the name and favor of your well-beloved Son, Jesus Christ, in dependence on his Holy Spirit. Amen. The ninth commandment is, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. In this commandment, we have the positive command implied, which is to love the truth. To love the truth. This is how the catechism puts it. And what we just read from question and answer 112, it says, I should love the truth, speak it candidly, and openly acknowledge it. If we generally don't tell lies, then we might be tempted to brush this commandment off as one that we don't need to worry too much about. But truth isn't just a matter of not telling lies. Truth is also a matter of what you see, how you see it, and how you speak about it. In this message, we're going to explore these matters by learning first how the ninth commandment instructs us to love the truth. Secondly, how truth is connected to Christian maturity as the Spirit renews us. And then third, how to pursue truth in our own day in a couple of particular ways. What does it mean to love the truth and to turn away from bearing false witness? So first this evening, loving the truth. The ninth commandment instructs us to love the truth. It uh, in itself forbids us from bearing false witness. And what's particularly in mind here in the commandment in its original context is that when a formal accusation is made, again, formally speaking, against another person, whether in a court of law, maybe in the workplace, or in the church, 
We are not to tell lies about our neighbor. We're not to say something false about them in, that, in a formal charge or informally for that matter. Why is that? Why is that? You know, sometimes we get upset with one another. What's the big deal about getting back at somebody if they've been unkind? If it means we've got to goose the truth just a little bit to get them put in their place. Well, what's the matter with that? The basic reason is that it is completely out of step with God himself. The commandments are not arbitrary. They proceed from the character of God. So that when we read the commandments of God, we hear God communicating his own righteous character to us. And so when the ninth commandment tells us to be about the truth and turning away from falsehood, we are recognizing, we are to recognize something about God himself, which is that he is aligned with the truth. He is truth. The Lord Jesus identifies himself with truth in that famous line from John chapter 14. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. God the Spirit is referred to in 1 John chapter 4 verse 6 as the spirit of truth. Where he is there contrasted with the spirit of error. Spirit of error. Which in the, the letter of 1 John is the, the spirit of Antichrist going out into the world teaching false doctrine. There's the spirit of error and there's the spirit of truth who is God. God the Holy Spirit. And since God is so identified with truth, his people are commanded to be so as well. Whether formally or informally, in all of life, in each realm that we find ourselves in, and how we think and what we say. What is the truth? What are we really talking about here? I think we probably get the general gist. But truth, broadly conceived, is whatever lines up with reality. Truth is whatever lines up with reality. Falsehood is whatever is out of sync with reality whether by accident or on purpose. And I think that's important, by the way, that we recognize that when something is out of sync, if we speak something that is out of sync with reality, even by accident, it is still false. Still false. Though our intentions may be purer than if we did it maliciously, it's still false. Because truth is something objective. It is an objective reality. And so to love the truth, then, is to embrace Reality, and as best we can, to think and to speak in line with it. That's what it means to embrace the truth, to love the truth. It is a righteous turning away from falsehood and the godly embrace of reality in all of life and how we think and especially in how we speak. We could say a lot about how we have limitations about our perception of reality. Reality is just what it is. We're limited in what we can see and perceive about reality. And we ought to be very humble about those limitations. We don't always know the full story on any given issue. Uh, We have to be very careful with people's reputations because we don't see what has taken place behind closed doors or what a person was thinking when they did this or that thing. We have limitations. Some of them are perfectly fine the the limitation of being human is not wicked at all it just means we can't know everything 
So in order to love the truth, it means also that we are careful. We are uh, quick to listen and slow to speak. There's a reason why the wisdom literature of the Bible is constantly identifying those who talk constantly with the fool of Proverbs. Because if you talk constantly, you're not trying to perceive reality. You're not listening. You're not looking out for the, the, your neighbor and you are, uh, you're not being humble about your limitations. And so truth is whatever lines up with reality. And the love of truth is trying to think and speak in line with that reality. Secondly, this act of loving the truth and our obedience to this command is a sign of Christian maturity. Sign of Christian maturity. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16, this is our, our last scripture reading before we came to the catechism. The Apostle Paul gives us insight into what it means to be mature in our Christian profession. Verses 11 through 12 of this passage, he says that Christ gave the church teachers of various kinds for the building up of the body of Christ. He ascended Christ from heaven, gave gifts to the church. The gifts included teachers. What are the teachers for? Building up the church. That's pretty straightforward. But he explains further what he means by this building up. What is the building up of the church? Verse 13, he says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, verse 14, so that we may no longer be children. Can you hear Paul's contrast there? He makes a contrast, verse 13, mature manhood, verse 14, children. Spiritual manhood, spiritual infancy. The Holy Spirit works this maturity in us. The Holy Spirit is pleased to do this for the sake of those whom Christ has purchased. To move us along in the pathway of our Christian life from spiritual infancy into adulthood. From that immaturity to maturity. And one of the crucial parts of this maturity is linked To the truth, to the telling of truth, to the embracing and the loving of truth. So, for instance, Paul links immaturity to being easily swayed by false doctrine. If you are easily swayed, he says, to sway to and fro on the winds of false doctrine, then you're you're not mature. You're still in the childhood of your Christian profession. He also links Spiritual immaturity in verse 14 to the craftiness of deceitful schemes. Deceitful. It has to do with falsehood. There's a link there between immaturity and falsehood. But by contrast, maturity looks like this. Verse 15. He says, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Notice here the community aspect of truth-telling as well. The mature man of Ephesians 4 is a reference not to any particular man, but to the church. This is a metaphor that Paul is using. We all together, he says, are growing up into the head who is Christ. And we become mature together as the body of Christ as we find our place as 
his members in this community of faith. Christine Pohl is an author who's written beautifully on this topic. She makes this connection between truth-telling and safe community, safe and mature community, especially Christian communities. She says, quote, we often worry about appearances more than we do about truth. A community that is truthful will not necessarily be tidy. There will be loose threads and rough edges because members are unwilling to hide their problems or to cover over wounds lightly, end quote. The community that is maturing will work hard to embrace reality together. That is not easy at all. In fact, it's impossible unless the Holy Spirit is doing the work. But we must work hard together to embrace reality, to see things and to speak about things with honesty and with integrity and to do it together to each other about one another. This is one of the ways that the Holy Spirit renews us. Remember the structure of the catechism. Guilt, grace, gratitude. When we come to that gratitude section, it talks about, you know, if we're justified and we're saved apart from works, why do we do good works? And the catechism says that those who have been, uh, who have been justified and forgiven by the blood of Christ are being renewed by the Holy Spirit. And then the Ten Commandments come. Why? Because those being renewed by the Holy Spirit love to obey the Ten Commandments. And so when the Spirit renews us, one thing that He is doing, among many, is He is causing us to grow up into Christ and to speak the truth in love, one with another. Our Catechism's author Zacharias Hersinus shows us that this love for the truth is to be all-encompassing, meaning it's not, it's not tied to just one little aspect of our lives. It's not even just about what we say with our words. It is especially about what we say with our words, but it's all-encompassing. Ursinus says that this should be the case, quote, in our words, thoughts, judgments, contracts, and in our doctrine. It's an interesting thing here to have blatantly false doctrine is to break the ninth commandment because it tells lies about God. Isn't that interesting? So loving the truth is all encompassing. It it points us in many directions as the people of God and obedience to this in obedience to this commandment. Let's make it our long term goal as the people of God, not only not to tell lies to and about one another, but to speak truth in love, in love for Christ and in love for one another. So there's loving the truth. And now we've seen that loving the truth is a sign of Christian maturity, that this is what the Holy Spirit is doing within. As he as Christ has died for us, the Holy Spirit is now working in us to to make us more like Jesus Christ. This is one of the ways that he does it. Lastly, this evening, some particular ways to pursue obedience, this command in our day. Question and answer 112 gives a very helpful list of the ways that we should uphold the truth. That's one of the reasons why the catechism's uh, explanation of the Ten Commandments is so 
useful and wonderful and worthy of our meditation, consideration, memorization, I dare say, because all of these commandments have been given lists. It, it, they have mined the depths of Scripture and said, here's how this commandment applies in so many different directions. And here it is again. There's this great list in question and answer 112. I want to focus on two that I think are very important, particularly important in our day. And it is uh, these two from that list in, in answer 112. Gossip. And secondly, condemning others without a hearing. Gossip and condemning others without a hearing. These are problems in any age. They're in Scripture, so these are ancient problems. But I think that they're a particular challenge for Christians in our day for all kinds of reasons, but I think especially because of the prevalence of social media, we are able to just go and full blast say whatever we think. And that's easy. That's easy to do. And people pointed this out time and again. It's easier to do that online than it is to go and actually uh, speak truth uh, in a productive way, you know, person to person. That's assuming that what you've posted is true. <laughs> so social media, I think, is a very, uh, a very problematic space because uh, it allows us to not check ourselves. It's just this on-ramp to speaking rashly. There's also the cultural pressure to speak your truth. This has become a a slogan in our day and age. To speak your truth. Your experience transcends everything else. And of course, we could go on the other, we could go on the other extreme and say your experience doesn't count for anything. That's not the case. But if your experience becomes the standard for truth, then you are God. (laughs) Because you your experience dictates everything else. And then also there's the assumption that not to speak out about any given topic is to side with evil and with oppressors. Every, every kind of social ill that is happening in the world today, we are pressured to speak on it in no uncertain terms. And uh, that is very easily turned into condemning others rashly and without a hearing. There are, of course, many situations where not to speak up is to dishonor God and disable your neighbors. But I'm just speaking here about some of the common pitfalls of today. Okay, so we going to be very careful, try to be measured when I'm talking about these two things from that list in question and answer 112. that I think they're important to, to speak up about. I want to look at gossip first. Gossip undermines the calling to love the truth. Gossip undermines the calling to love the truth. Ursinus defines gossip as not being able to retain anything, even things which should be kept secret. I laughed too when I read that. Not being able to retain anything, even things that should be kept secret. Here's how Paul puts it in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 13. He defines those who gossip as those who say what they should not. Those who say what they should not. Brothers and sisters, you're called to be lovers of truth. Gossip might include true things. It very well might. But they're not your words to share. Or they're not the full truth. Or they shouldn't be shared now. There are other factors involved. If we have some kind of truth, it doesn't mean, well, now I have to share this got to be shared. There are other factors involved that Scripture gives to us 
Perhaps it's not yours to share. It's not the full truth or it's the wrong time. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 23 says, A word in season, how good it is. So a word can be good and refreshing to the soul, provided that it is spoken in season, in the right context. We are about speaking the truth in love, in love, not to wield the truth as a bludgeon. As best we can. You know, sometimes the truth hurts. We, we should be afraid to speak the truth, even when it's going to cause offense. Maybe that's necessary. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about here the other extreme, which is gossip. Which is to speak what does not belong to you or without the full story in mind. When you find yourself in a situation when someone's reputation or livelihood or standing in the community are on the line... Brothers and sisters, tread with caution. These are very important things in the eyes of God. And with love in your heart for that neighbor, speak the truth or refrain from speaking at all, even if that neighbor is your enemy. Even if that neighbor is your enemy. The old uh, translation of the catechism, instead of reputation, it said, I will also uphold my neighbor's good name. Isn't that good? I will uphold my neighbor's good name. I will treat my neighbor's name and reputation as worthy of being defended in the same way I want my own reputation to be defended. That's what our catechism is summarizing here for us. That's gossip. If you've ever seen, I I, uh, hesitate to mention uh, movies from the pulpit because it's almost a default recommendation. Just take this for what it is. There's a movie called Doubt, which is based on a play. And a priest comes up and he's uh, speaking to his congregation on a Sunday. And he tells a story about uh, a woman who uh, had a secret that she was holding for somebody. She went and told somebody else about it. And uh, she realized that it spread in the community and it ruined this person's reputation. And she went back to the person and apologized and said, uh, you know, I'm, so, I'm terribly sorry about all this. And the person said, I want you to go home. And I want you to take one of your feather pillows and go out to your balcony uh, in the city and, and just knife the pillow and let the, let the feathers fly. And uh, she said, okay, that sounds weird, but okay. So she did it, came back to her friend. She said, whatever that, well, that was about, you forgive me. The friend said, uh, go back now and collect all the feathers. And she said, how can I do that? It's gone all over the place. And the friend said, that's what you did to me. And in the movie, the priest says, he's been gossiped against. He says, that is gossip. Well, brothers and sisters, that's gossip. I'm telling you a story about a priest. This is, I'm not, uh, this is not a subtweet, okay? I'm not talk- Nobody's gossiped about me. It's just a great illustration that's come to mind from this movie. So it, it's like the, 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 the feathers of a pillow flying in the air and then trying to go collect them is an impossible task. We don't know the fuse that we have lit when we gossip about others. So we ought to hold others' reputations of, as very important. And then uh, secondly, the other matter to consider and how to obey this commandment in our day has to do with condemning others without a hearing or condemning them rashly. Remember, loved ones in Christ, that Christ himself had a hearing, but it was staged. And it was filled with false witnesses. And reading that horrible account is almost too painful. 
Because we know that Christ has stood for the truth throughout his entire earthly ministry and done nothing but care for those in need. And there he is subject to a kangaroo court and to absolute blasphemous false witness. He knows the pain of being condemned without a hearing. And he has died on account of it to forgive you when you bear false witness either in formal and large ways or in smaller ways. He knows this pain and he calls you, his people, not to partake in such injustice. If the people of God want to be people of justice and seem to be people of justice socially, let us tell the truth and withhold condemnation until we know as much as we can know. About any given situation, we ought to wait and speak only when we know what is necessary for justice to be served and for people's good names to be upheld. It is easy to hear a report from this person or that, easy to hear a report online from other members about other members of your community or members from the political sphere or ministry leaders. You could hear all kinds of things about all kinds of people and it is easy to immediately cast judgment feels pretty good, actually, if we're going to be honest about it, to cast judgment. But, beloved in Christ, our opinions should be formed by truth. And expressing our opinions should be measured by how well we know the truth, to what extent we know the truth, and with a particular goal in mind. Brothers and sisters, may our goal be love. Christian love, which looks out for the good of our neighbors and of our enemies, and looks out for the glory of Jesus Christ. May the Spirit's renewal of us, which is given to us by grace, result in our growing up into this expression of Christian maturity. And may our expression of truth be done for the glory of Christ and for the good of our neighbor. Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious God, as we have heard the true doctrine proclaimed to us, we ask now by your great blessing that it may be preserved among us and propagated through us by our lips and lives to the glory of the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen.